Welcome back. How we looking? It's the Bill Michaels Show. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills. I am normally the uh, the executive producer. It's a title that I've given myself on the show. I'm the only producer, but that also makes me the executive producer. Uh, today, just taking care of the show. Bills off. He'll be back on Monday, and we'll be able to preview Packers Giants, which is Monday night, which will be a blast. Mike Clemens. It'll be great. So we don't really miss out on anything. Uh, I'm just holding the fort down for Bill today. We're going to talk with uh, we're going to talk with the Giants reporter Dan Duggan from the Athletic coming up at 12:30 in the one o'clock hour. I'll have a lot more time to take your calls. I appreciate Uncle Packer for the call right before the top of the hour. Ryan Glassbeagle is here from the New York Post. He joins us live from uh, from his office, his headquarters down in Chicago on the other side of the border. Ryan, how are you? Welcome back. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. What's up? So, I guess I have a long list of things. At some point, I need to ask you how the city of Chicago is accepting Craig Council. But if I ask you that first, I think it's going to put me in a bad mood and it will sour the rest of the interview. So, I might save that one for last. Let's start with the in-season tournament. I saw you tweeting about it. Our Bucks played in it last night. I think it's been just about as big of a success as the NBA could have hoped in year one. A little clunky, a little weird. But it's gotten us to pay attention. It's got us focused. Well, what kind of numbers have you seen? What have you seen in in your world that would that would lead you to draw conclusions about this in season tournament in its first year? Yeah. So it, it's. I mean, I guess I would say first that it is a success, and then you just from there have to um, gauge the degree of success. So the reason I would say is a success is that these games noticeably had more energy. And I think that was ostensibly the main point is, you know, these NBA players kind of ease themselves into the season traditionally. And this gave them some stakes to compete for. And so, you know, like these Pacers games, I don't think the nation would have been, you know, introduced to Tyrese Halliburton like this as soon without them like they, the Pacers don't have a ton of like other national ESPN ABC and TNT games if any at all and so that part's a success now in terms of viewership I guess like I is kind of the the success is in the eye of the beholder so you know I saw a report today that the in-season tournament games averaged like 1.55 million or something viewers on the national TV games. And that's better than, you know, the same windows as last year, but it's about the same as the average of like free Christmas NBA national games. If you take all those games together. So they're doing pretty good, but they're not uh, lighting the world on fire. If that makes sense in terms of viewership. I don't think the NBA can light the world on fire in November and in December. The fact that they're getting any sort of bump and we're talking about it and people are at least paying attention, if only to say, hey, what's the in-season tournament? Like, I think that is a success. I I don't know if it's – it's never going to be March Madness because it can't be, right? But I I think for the first year and for what the NBA could have hoped, I I think it's been a success. I would tend to agree. Uh, Another big sports story, we just had Tyler Dunn on right before you. I did not have – Bill's head coach uses 9-11 hijackers in a speech on my bingo card. I mean, no bingo card would ever have that. That's so bizarre. This seems like the perfect New York Post headline. Weird reference, sports team, controversy. Like, what has this story 
I guess not meant to you, but what was your thought when you first saw this and, and as your publication has, has covered it? What's this been like? This is so bizarre. I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's weird. You never see stuff like this leak that's several years old like that. So yeah. it's kind of interesting from that dynamic. It, I think it's emblematic of two things. First, football coaches are just so narrow and tunnel vision and it's like move forward and get people working together and do anything I can to motivate people that they don't even kind of think about, Oh, is this analogy the like most cringe analogy of all time? That's part one. And two, you know, the fact that it's getting out and McDermott kind of looks like, I don't know what the word is, but however he looks, I think we all have an image in our head of this and you know, he, he's very much on the hot seat in Buffalo. This is a team that for a couple years now has been supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. And right now they're really at a crossroads. Like they could win the Super Bowl this year if they go on a run from right now, or they could miss the playoffs entirely and his job could be gone. And so I think we're looking at a really interesting fork in the road for McDermott and the Bills right now. It's just really bizarre. Like, I remember the tie Dunn story from a couple of years ago when Mike McCarthy was reportedly getting massages during me. Remember that one? Like, yeah. Sports is so amazing because you never think that stories like this are possible. Like, I would never in a million, you couldn't write this in a writer's room, and yet it happens, and it's, actually not that unbelievable you're like ah, eh, stuff like this happens yeah in i mean that's the thing is like I, I wasn't shocked i was more shocked that that story got out than that mcdermott would have said it sure like, just because of what i said about football coaches which is they like they operate on a different plane of existence than the rest of us and so nothing almost like you say about a football coach is, can really surprise me that much. Interesting. Yeah, they are a different breed of human being. That's for sure. We're talking with Ryan Glassbeagle. I wanted to ask you about ESPN, Pat McAfee, and Aaron Rodgers. Because I saw you tweeting out some viewership numbers the other day of McAfee versus Cowherd. And I like I always find that interesting and and all of the, the metrics and the, and the different factors that go into that. What do you think of Aaron Rodgers as a product on the McAfee show, considering what it was a couple of years ago to what it's turned into now? What is you as a, as a sports journalist and, and someone who follows sports media very closely, what do you make of it? Because it's become a very interesting thing. It feels very different than it did a couple of years ago when he was just the Packers quarterback, you know, chopping it up with McAfee. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so entertaining spots like there's not like maybe you aren't glued to watching it live as it's happening but there's not a week of them that go by that you at least don't think like just naturally see a snippet of it I don't know what that's like for the general public um, as opposed to someone like me who's just like very online and you know looking for angles all day but I, I bet the general public like sees something out of these interviews at least like probably at least once a week when they happen. And so, you know, that's the whole game of media is how much attention are you getting? And then can you convert that attention into money? And McAfee has been extraordinary at that. He has a contract with ESPN that's worth, 
$17 million a year. Now, it still remains to be seen, Grant, if ESPN is getting their money's worth out of this deal because it's a very awkward transition from the core Stephen A. Smith audience mm-hmm. to the core Pat McAfee audience on television. And most days that I look at the ratings, McAfee is losing about half of the viewers that are watching first take before his show. And so, you know, that's going to happen. ESPN, there's nothing they can put after Stephen A that isn't going to lose, you know, 30 or 40% of his audience um, because he's just a singularly magnetic draw. But I think the amount that he's losing is probably more than what ESPN expected when they made this deal. You know what's really weird is that, you know, for the last couple of years, anytime Rodgers would go on the McAfee show on Tuesdays, we'd get the audio and we'd play it, you know, either on Bill's show or on my show from 4 to 6, and we'd react because there was always something that we needed to hear. Like, there was something that was very... Uh, foundational to the experience of being a Packers fan. You needed it. It was source material every week. And now it's not, and I watch it sometimes just to kind of see what's going on. But I can't tell you how weird it is, Ryan, to find a YouTube clip, because I'm a sports radio nerd, of the folks on WFAN or the folks on the Yes Network, and to see Michael Kay and Don LaGreca playing clips from the McAfee show and hanging on every word, it's bizarre. Because for whatever reason, when I did it, it felt fine. But for them to do it, it feels like such a step down for media people at that level to be hanging on what Rogers is saying on a McAfee show hit. It's so bizarre. Yeah. But I mean, the um, controversy drives interest in sports media. And that's especially true in the Northeast with, especially with New York and Boston and Philly. And these clips give them something that they can have a strong reaction to. And winding them up for strong reactions, honestly, is the name of the game. It's just so, it's it's like someone, it's like watching someone else live my life. It's like, well, it's Tuesday, so we got to check, you know, Aaron Rodgers spoke on the McAfee show. It's like, this is what I did. Do you feel like you were kind of a farm system for these reaction um, segments? Yes, it, it's it's very and it's not that like I have Don LaGreca and Michael Kay on some pedestal like they do my job in the biggest market in the country and on one of the biggest platforms. But it, it's weird to see another show basically drop everything to play clips of what Aaron Rodgers is saying on McAfee and then to break it down to the syllable because it's not enough to just hear what he says, Ryan. Like what, what what did he exactly mean by that one word that he's like he has us chasing our tails when he does this and I don't have to anymore because it's not my circus, not my monkeys, but New York has to. And it's, it's well, even more insane because he's hurt. Yeah, he's not even playing. Yeah, so I, I think you'd say a majority of your listeners are people who are in their cars, right? Yes. And that's also true for um, the, 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 yes, the New York sports radio station. But there's a difference between being in your car in Wisconsin and generally, like, you know, open road and not a ton of traffic yeah. versus the bumper-to-bumper that people are sitting in when they're going home from New York City. And that kind of, you know identifies like the difference in the medium where like these people 
like you're in traffic and so like Michael Kay and Don LaGreca getting really worked up is puts you in an escape that makes you forget that you're in traffic hell. Okay. Interesting. It's like this guy is, I am worked up about traffic until I turn a guy on the radio who's more worked up than me. All of a sudden now I don't feel so worked up. That is an interesting yeah. way to traffic dynamic. See, this is what we always get into when you come on the show. This is not something I thought Jersey Turnpike versus the Beltline <laughs> in Madison. Now, I don't drive rush hour on the Beltline. So I. It's, that... it's not the same. I've lived in Madison. I've spent a lot of time in the state of Wisconsin. If you're in traffic in Wisconsin, the most it's ever going, unless it's like some dire snow accident, yeah. the most it's ever going to add to your time driving is like 10 or 15 minutes. There could be like a drive in New York, a commute that without traffic could take like a half hour and with it could take two hours. It's a gigantic difference. Yeah. And then, you know, you get into traffic in Chicago, which I don't even, I like coming to Chicago every once in a blue. I take that back. Actually. I'm not sure that I do like coming to Chicago. I saw you tweeting the other night about how like, uh, you know, traffic and this and that aside, like Chicago is great for this reason, that reason, you know, who must also think that is Craig council because he is now gonna, I, I guess, commute to and from Chicago. I have a hard time believing he's going to do that every day, but you guys got well, I, our, our I manager guess, down there. Yeah. Wild guess is he'll keep his family in Whitefish Bang and get an apartment or a house for that matter somewhere near Wrigley. And, you know, some days he'll go all the way back and some days he won't. And But uh, in terms of like how Chicago people are reacting to him, you know, I think they're very optimistic because um, as much as David Ross was like, you know, a World Series hero as a player for the Cubs, I did observe a lot of griping about his, you know, game-to-game strategic management decisions, like Baseball. whether, yeah. oh, why is the lineup like this or why did they put this reliever in then? Um, there, I, I saw, you know, I think the, the fact that, like, the Brewers have been able to outpunch their payroll weight over the last several years would make people believe that, you know, Council is, a top flight manager. You know, these things don't happen in a vacuum. They also, the front office supplied him with like better players than the payroll should necessarily dictate as well. But, you know, I don't think like they're holding a ticker tape parade for him either. He's going to have to prove himself again. Like he's not kind of, you know, I don't even know. It's not like he's like Mike Ditka in town yet or anything. So we'll see. But I, you know, it's weird because I actually don't consume that much Chicago sports talk radio. Um, you know, I work from home, so I'm not commuting that much. And I kind of listen to a lot of music in the car. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think people are optimistic, but not necessarily over the moon for him. Do you think, last question, we could be really quick. If he was the manager of the Padres or the Texas Rangers and had the exact same success over the last couple of years, are the Cubs paying him $8 million? No. I mean, weakening a rival and, um, yeah, I think that has to play into it. Interesting. It's a lot of money to weaken a rival. 
at a, at a at the position of manager. And I look, I think Craig is great. Well, you know, here's the thing: like managers, like NBA head coaches and NFL head coaches, make so much more than MLB managers. And I understand, like, council's kind of whatever existential dread about that whole like dynamic and wanting to be a savior for managers because you know <laughs> Joe Torre like he matched what Joe Torre was making a year and that was like 18 years ago and so the um the the compensation for baseball managers is not kept place kept pace with inflation and so I see why he wanted to you know set the new standard but it does feel ickier. I, I don't think he realized how upset Brewers fans would have been at this. I think he still would have done it anyway. But I do bet that the, like, aggregate vitriol caught him by surprise. Yeah, well, and I can't blame him. He reset the manager market. Look at the deal Carlos Mendoza got. I mean, he's three years, $4.5 million. I mean, my God, what a deal. That would never happen if Craig Council hadn't have reset the market or whatever he thinks he did for everyone else. Look, I don't begrudge you make your money, but don't get mad when Brewers fans are all pissed at you for going to a rival and acting like it's no big deal. That's my thing. All right. Uh, I wish Chicago best of – well, that's a lie. I don't, but um, – <laughs> I'm interested to see how this goes, I guess, at the very least. Ryan, I've kept you too long. i got to run. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Grant. Thanks for having me. Ryan Glassfiegel, New York Post. Traffic dynamics. That's what you get on this show when Ryan joins us. Appreciate that. Let's come back. A couple minutes. We'll get back into the Packers, and then Dan Duggan going to join us at about 1235. We'll talk Giants. Get an eye on the enemy with Dan coming up. That's all coming up in a few minutes on the Bill Michael Show. Did I say coming up enough times? I think so. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, 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 I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 12-31-2023. Bill Michaels Show. Appreciate Ryan Glass-Beagle and his time always. Anytime I'm in for Bill, which is uh, once a month, somewhere kind of in that ballpark, I like to have him on. Just talk about some sports media things. I think Rodgers on McAfee is... Like, you could do an oral history of Aaron Rodgers joining the Pat McAfee show and the ways in which it has evolved and peaked and valleyed over the last couple of years. It's very interesting to me. And now it's weird to you know go on YouTube and look up the Yes Network or WFAN and watch Don LaGreca and Michael Kay completely chase their tail over something Aaron Rodgers said on on McAfee's show. And I 
I was talking with a buddy about this the other day. It's just weird to watch massive New York talkers hang on every word of, of something Aaron Rodgers is saying. It's a little like watching a grown adult chase around a ping pong ball that's fallen on the floor. It's like you're just kind of taking, wait, what did he mean by this word? Well, what, is, what does that mean? Is, it, is this really true? Like, it's just kind of funny. It's not my circus anymore, not my monkeys, so it's fun to watch other people go through it. Uh, the Sean McDermott story, and we talked with Tyler Dunn about it back in the second hour of the show, Catch It in the Pod, if you missed it. The Sean McDermott story. We're going to get the scoop on another New York team. We've hit the Jets. We've hit the Bills. We're going for the trifecta. We're going to talk about the Giants with Dan Duggan coming up in just a few minutes. I guess that there is some Brian Dable, Wink Martindale friction. Maybe that's the right word. Uh, I did not know about that. I guess Jake Glazer had been on that. So head coach and defensive coordinator, a little bit of a beef. They're starting Tommy DeVito at quarterback. So things are not great with the Giants. But any given Sunday, you know, who knows? The Giants come out. They look awesome against the Packers. And the Packers look terrible after beating the Chiefs. Yeah, that kind of thing happens in the NFL every week. So we'll get ready for the game. Get an eye on the enemy with Dan from The Athletic coming up in a few. First, a call. 608-321-1670. Bill Michaels Show. Welcome. Who's this? Hey, Grant. It's Clemhead Mike. Clemhead Mike. Now, I'm surprised it took you this long. What the heck you been doing for the last two and a half hours, Mike? I've missed you. Well... <laughs> just been listening to you <laughs> i uh yeah i got up a little late today i i took something to help me sleep last night <laughs> oh you're gonna be late for work you got to clock in as a retired man who enjoys life you're gonna be late yeah, i'm on i'm in day 198 of my day 1098 of my 1098 day weekend so um yeah it was nice to hear from uncle mike packer up in eau claire remember do you remember uncle mike packer and i had that theory about aaron Rodgers and you Politely but firmly asked us to knock it off. <laughs> which theory would now? Wait a minute. Which theory was that? Well, why he's had so many high-profile girlfriends. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, That's right. His his leanings, let's say, his yeah, uh, his yeah, relational leanings. Yes, I do remember. And well, you guys are not the why, only one with that theory. It's just I don't I don't know that I have much to add. And I, I yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I didn't know he was a fellow squid, so that's cool. Uh, thanks for your service, Uncle Packer, Mike. Oh, thank um, you for your service. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say I, I'm a little worried. I know I shouldn't be, but I'm a little worried about Monday night's game. Uh, Packers seem to play down to their competition sometimes. It, it, it kind of feels like a trap game after all these you know, high emotion games the last two weeks. And I and please don't play Aaron Jones yet. I don't. If it turns out to be an easy game, I don't think we want to risk further injury. I want to, we need them to recover one more week. But the Packers do seem to play poorly when they play against poor teams. And I just uh, I don't know what the what the psychology of that is, but uh, it makes me a little nervous and I don't want them to, to let down, you know, it is easy to let down after you just beat two of the best teams in, in the NFC or I mean, in, in the NFL. And uh, so I'm a little nervous about that. I and, think there's uh, a chance now, Mike, I, mean, I wouldn't guarantee it. I wouldn't guarantee anything with any sports team, let alone this Packers team. Cause we don't even really know who they are. I think there's a world in which they come out and light up the, the Giants on Monday night. And, and we think, oh, okay, this team has really put it together. They've figured out how to get from Sunday to Sunday. They've figured out how to prepare, how to get their ducks in a row. From a game planning perspective, Matt LaFleur's figured out how to push all the buttons. Like, I think that's absolutely in the cards. And I, I'm less worried about a letdown because this game is on Monday Night Football. And I don't mean to beat this dead horse. But the Packers got gassed up to play in front of the entire country on Thanksgiving, and they got gassed up to host the defending champs on Sunday Night Football. They might not be as excited to play the Giants, but this is on Monday Night Football. This is a standalone game, and I think they're going to get up for that. 
Yeah, that's true. And I wonder if the if the country maybe it's just me, but does it seem like the Giants have been on a lot of primetime games this year? And what so, the hell's up with that? So <laughs> this is, and, I, and I'm going to ask Dan about this coming up because maybe I'm misremembering. It felt like early on in the year they were everywhere, and then after a couple of weeks they've been nowhere. Like I haven't watched a snap of Giants football in weeks and I haven't heard them talked about like they were they were leading talk shows early on in the year because Dable and Daniel Jones were they were giving each other dirty looks on the sideline there's a lot of drama and then poof they were gone and I haven't thought about him in in weeks and weeks and weeks yeah uh before the season started I was I was kind of a, a fool I I thought the Giants were an up-and-coming team this year I picked them to be in the playoffs <laughs> Well, and and that's the thing, Mike. A lot of people loved what they did last year. They took a great step and made the playoffs. They won a playoff game against the Vikings on the road. And then I think a lot of people liked their draft and liked their offseason. And then they just showed up week one and they they sucked. And they've continued to suck. Uh, And that's going to be one of my questions to our Giants guest coming up. It's like, how do you look your team as a head coach in the eye three or four weeks into the season and say, hey, I know we expected to be good, uh, but this season is not going to go anything like we thought. How, How do you keep a team together when a season goes so sideways and all these high expectations go out the window, that's got to be such a challenge. Yeah, and what did, what, what did they see in Daniel Jones that the rest of the people in the NFL didn't see? I, I just don't understand this whole love affair with Daniel Jones. What the heck was that? Well, he's a top 10, he's a top 10 pick. You know, yeah. the, the problem is they, they went on a run last year and they won a playoff game and he looked awesome against them. He looked like Steve Young in that game. But that was Ed Donatel's yeah. defense. That was the Vikings' defense. And that put right. the well, what the what the Giants should have done is tagged him and not worried about tagging Saquon Barkley, but they wanted to save the the franchise tag for a running back. So they they did a lot of this to themselves. Yes, yes, they did. That's some pretty bad management. And nowadays with a salary cap, and every team is pretty much equal, it's it's either good management or bad management that makes a difference in teams. It's not like in baseball where you can buy a, a team and NFL you're all kind of kind of on equal footing. So if it's if you suck, it's you, it's a you problem. I would tend to agree. It's a lot easier. The market size doesn't matter. Salary cap, you are you are one hundred percent correct. I gotta run, Mike, because I gotta get to our Giants guest. Did they say uh, in a New York minute it's all faster? So every minute I'm late calling him, it's it's I think blown up even more on on his end. Uh, but we might talk tonight, four to six. Otherwise, have a great weekend, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Van. I hope to call you later. Yeah, appreciate you. And if we don't talk, enjoy both both you and Uncle Packer, uh, men of the Navy. Uh, enjoy that Army-Navy game tomorrow. At least Navy, that's San Diego. Right, yeah, that's where they both were. A lot of good stories of back in the back in the Navy days from, from both of our mics up in the Chippewa Valley. Clemhead Mike and Uncle Packer both. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back, talk with Dan Duggan, covers the Giants for the Athletic. A little eye on the enemy next on the Bill Michaels Show. Ready! This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. In the heart of downtown Milwaukee, there's an all-new Potawatomi Casino Hotel where there's a table waiting for you at 12 bars and restaurants, a winning seat at 40 table games or 3,000 slot machines, plus the thrill of bingo, full-service sports betting, and more. Are you ready to spark something new? Light up your senses at Potawatomi Casino Hotel. Explore more at PaysBig.com. Bill Michaels show. Appreciate you listening. Happy Friday. 
Nick Costos going to join us in the last hour of the show. He's got a New York flair. Mike Clemens is going to join the evening show tonight because the coaches are speaking later on in the day. So Mike said, why don't we just push it back? We'll talk at 5.30 tonight. So if you're missing Mike Clemens, I'm missing Mike Clemens. I'm always missing Mike. He'll join us at 5.30 to bring us some of the latest comments and injury updates and things before we part ways for the weekend. And then we'll get a final preview from him on Monday. Let's get the Giants side of things. Dan Duggan is here, covers the team for the Athletic. Dan, the Giants have been a weird team to follow nationally this year for a team that's, or a fan of a team that's not in the NFC East. You know, we cheer for the Packers. It's like they were everywhere to start the year. They were all over primetime, and Brian Dable, Daniel, we're talking about them, and then it's like they disappeared. And I haven't really heard about them in national conversations or seen them much since then. Is that an accurate way to to kind of... I, I don't know, portray your team's national relevance this year? Yeah, well, first off, apologies for all the national television exposure because those weren't exactly <laughs> uh, the best showings. You know, no. 40 to nothing and, you know, whatever the San Francisco score was, the Seattle game. So, yeah, no, they, they didn't exactly put their best foot forward in that, that gauntlet they had to open the season. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, listen, day-to-day here, there's still plenty of kind of controversy and stuff to keep us going. But I think once Daniel Jones came back from the neck injury – immediately tears his ACL. They get blown out in that Raiders game. Then they go and get blown out in Dallas. Like, I think they were kind of removed from the national conscience there. So, yeah, I don't blame anybody, you know, in the Midwest for not keeping up on the uh, the daily trip trials and tribulations of the Giants. Because, yeah, I mean, basically once Jones went down, that sort of effectively ended their season. Because, you know, they've had a little fun little resurgence here with Tommy DeVito, the local kid, an undrafted rookie. Uh, but I feel like that, you know, that's probably going to turn into a pumpkin sooner than later, very possibly on Monday night. Uh, but, yeah, so not not a lot nationally um, since those early season games when they were getting blown out on uh, primetime on a weekly basis, it felt like. So I remember, you know, all the preseason predictions and, and when we're getting ready for the NFL season to start, I felt like a lot of people liked the Giants offseason. Maybe they weren't totally sure of all the money that went to Daniel Jones, but thought they had good process, good draft, building on something from last year and Brian Dable's first year. Is that a misrepresentation? Because I felt like there was a lot of optimism coming into this year for the Giants. No, for sure. And, I mean, okay. they, they felt it, too, because obviously they made that commitment to Daniel Jones. They could have franchise tagged and they could have, you know, chosen different alternatives, but they made that commitment. And once you do that, you're kind of getting the ball rolling now. It's like, oh, now we're going to go franchise tag Sego Barkley. We're going to go out and spend some money in free agency. They traded up a few times in the draft. Like, they, I'm not to say they went all in this year, but they, you know, they came in and it was looked at as, like, this long-term rebuild. You have that unexpected success in year one. That can speed the timeline up a little bit. And now they're in a really weird spot where, like, honestly, they would have been a lot better if this year happened in year one. Because then you would just tear it down to the studs and build it back up. Now they're in this weird in-between place where they do have some big money tied up to guys. They have the Daniel Jones situation where uh, you can't feel good about the way he played. You can't feel good about the fact that now he's had two more big injuries, you know, tacked on his injury history. So, they're in a weird spot here as far as how they proceed and, you know, where they end up in the draft order will have a big impact. The fact that they have won these two uh, recent games, I think for a lot of fans has not been necessarily positive because they were looking at, Hey, let's get a top two pick and get one of these quarterbacks. So uh, they're an interesting spot for sure. And it'll be interesting how they kind of navigate their way out of it. Well, I, and I wanted to make sure that there was optimism before the year. Cause that's what I remember. And I, I wanted to ask you, how does Brian Dable and his staff go about, let's say, in, when did Daniel Jones blow out his knee again? What week did that happen? Do you remember exactly? Uh, I think it was week 10. I mean, they're all running together a little bit. Uh, we, around that part, yeah. He, he, he started six games. I think he missed three or four. Yeah, 
yeah, he missed three, so that's probably week nine. Okay, so, so so somewhere around there, I guess the exact date isn't isn't really that important. How does Brian Dable look at his team and look at his staff and say, "Hey guys, I know we had super high expectations and we were looking to build on this year and 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 take an improvement from last year, but our season is completely taken a left turn." How does a coach communicate and still connect with a team? when a season is is going so sideways compared to preseason expectations? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because, I mean, they come out of the gate so poorly. Uh, I think it was a one and five. And then, you know, then Jones has the neck injury. Uh, so by the time he came back, I think they were two and six, maybe? Like, it was bad. So yeah. he thought, okay, now you have Daniel Jones for the second half of the season. You know, you can kind of steady things. You know, the schedule lightens up a little bit. Maybe you can string together a few wins. And then he gets hurt a quarter into his return, and obviously he's out for the season. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of pulled the rug out on anything here. Um, and it looked like things were spiraling in a really bad way because they got blown on that Raiders game, which was the first game, um, you know, after the John Daniels firing. Then they got absolutely destroyed, you know, down in Dallas, which wasn't a surprise by any stretch in Tommy DeVito's first career start. So you're like, oh, boy, this thing's really teetering. And then, now, granted, Washington and the Patriots are not exactly, uh, you know, the cream of the crop. But they beat those two teams. And now, it's, you know, it's not like they have momentum necessarily, but it was the momentum was really picking up in the other direction. So it was big just to kind of stem that, uh, you know, give them something to feel good about going into their bye week last week. Again, like Tommy DeVito has been like this, uh, you know, we were talking national storylines earlier. He certainly doesn't, you know, probably race to that level. But locally, he has become like this real fan favorite. He's a Jersey boy, very much leans into like a lot of the Italian stereotypes. And yeah. uh, so he's, He's been kind of a breath of fresh air. Again, like, I don't think that they found the next Tom Brady or Brock Purdy or anything like that. But he's at least been some positivity, which was in short supply before he came over and uh, came in and won these last two games. We need some good vibes, even in a season that's been marred <laughs> by injuries and, and frustration. So I just saw today there was a Jay Glazer report. You were tweeting about it that there might be some friction between Wink Martindale and, and Brian Dable. So last year, Brian Dable, he was put in conversations like, hey, this guy is one of the top coaches in the league already look what he did with Josh Allen look what he's doing with Daniel Jones this year's been a little different so so where do you guys stand and where does the Giants I guess media fan circle what's Brian Dable standing like and tell me about this thing with Wink yeah well yeah it wasn't just in the conversation he has a you know a trophy on his mantle that signals he was the best coach in the league last year so no yeah, he uh that's right his debut season couldn't have gone any better uh, I it's funny you know the on the athletic we did a fan poll like the midpoint of the season and you never know how those are going to go and it's because you know, a lot of times on Twitter, you're hearing kind of from a vocal minority. And I think the question was just like plain and simple. One of the questions was, like, do you want Brian Dable to come back? Because when things go this bad and the Giants have fired three straight coaches um, after two seasons. So it wouldn't be unheard of them to do the same, even though he is coming off a coach of the year debut season. And it was like 97% of the fans said they want him back. So that, that tells you that, like, yes, he has job security in the eyes of the fans. Like, they're not out on him. They're not, you know, chanting that he's got to go or anything like that. But then to your point about this Jay Glazer report with the, the relationship with Wink Martindale, it's interesting there because the, the offense, which is Brian Dable's baby, has been far inferior to the defense. Now, the defense hasn't been great, but any game they've won has basically been because of the defense. I mean, they had six takeaways in the win against Washington a couple weeks ago. They, you know, they basically held the Patriots, I think it was 10 points, 7 points in, in the win uh, before the bye. You can tell them come off the bye. Some of these details are uh, a little hazy. But anyways – uh, so Wink has done a really good job. He's really well regarded by the players, but the fact that they just have some, you know, kind of personal friction and the way Jay Glazer reported it. And I think anyone who follows the NFL knows Jay Glazer is pretty locked in. He mm-hmm. said he doesn't even think the relationship will continue. So 
if it comes to the point where they have to divorce and it's more personality than performance driven, I think that would chip away at a little bit of the goodwill Brian Dable has from the fan base. And then there's, there's really a chance he can wipe out all three coordinators, which would almost be unheard of. But I mean, the special teams coordinator is definitely on borrowed time. He's been a holdover from previous regimes. And those units have not performed well. So it would be no surprise if he's gone. And then even Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, uh, he could be scapegoated here because, like, I mean, they have the 31st offense in the league. Like, someone might have to pay. Yeah. And I could see a scenario where if Dable's entering, like, they have pivotal year three, he might say, listen, I'm going to be the play caller. I'm going to take over the offense and then kind of push cap out that way. So, I mean, that, that would be wild to go from a playoff team uh, one year ago to firing all three coordinators or mutual parting, however you want to word it, uh, all three coordinators a year later. But I do think it's on the table. And then, like I said, I think that would set up Dable for – have a do or die year because that, that would you know represent some it's a pretty big upheaval in his administration he would need to write the ship and, and kind of restill whatever confidence would have eroded through uh through some of those controversies so before we're done dan i gotta ask you because I, I said the giants haven't been a lot of uh they've not been talked about a lot nationally so if you know packers fans are listening to cowherd or they're listening to Stephen a like the giants don't get talked about what do we need to know going into monday night give us a little uh like, like, give us the too deep, so to speak, uh, about what Packers fans need to know going into this matchup. Yeah, I mean, listen, offensively, as much as I said, Tommy DeVito's been a cult hero. I mean, they're still pretty limited. He'll take some shots downfield, which is really something Daniel Jones wouldn't do. And, and Jalen Hyatt, the third-round rookie, had a 100-yard game against the Patriots. So um, he's obviously a guy that, you know, you'd love to see kind of have a, a big finish to his rookie year if you feel good going into the future. But the offense still kind of revolves around Saquon Barkley. Uh, they're going to try to run the ball, but every you know every opponent they face knows that's the game plan. So um, that can be a, a, a challenge. The offensive line has been a really big weakness all year. It's a little bit better now. You know, Andrew Thomas, their all-pro left tackle, missed seven games. Um, he's back, so that helps. But still a spot where you know the, that Green Bay pass rush, I'm sure, is licking their chops. But you know if the Giants have a chance in this game, it'll be you know Wink and his defense because what he does with his pressure packages is unique. So, you know, Jordan Love, obviously a young guy, doesn't have a ton of starting experience. Wink can kind of feast on, you know, inexperienced quarterbacks. So, I know Love's playing, you know, at a really high level right now. And, obviously, LaFleur has seen this defense last year. And, obviously, the Giants beat the Packers uh, over London last year. But that's, that's – if the Giants have a chance, it's going to be because the defense makes life hell for Jordan Love and the pass rush gets after him with the exotic blitzes and all that and the forced turnovers. Uh, that's really their only chance. They're not going to go out and score 35 points with yeah. um, the offense in the shape it's in. But, again, they've won two games against, you know, weak teams, but it's all been driven by the defense. Well, and Dexter Lawrence, absolutely. Like, Dexter Lawrence might have sank the Packers' season last year. Aaron Rodgers busted his thumb in that game in London, and De- we're all like, this freaking guy. Like, Dexter Lawrence was unbelievable last year. So if the Giants are able to do it again, it will probably happen in a similar fashion, like you said, totally. Dan, I appreciate you so much. Thank you again. This was a preview. Like, we play the Vikings or the Bears. Like, we kind of get a good read on those teams. We watch them locally. We haven't seen a lot of the Giants or heard a lot of them, so I thought it was really important that we get a little bit of a scouting report today. Thank you so much for giving that to us. Yeah, absolutely. Glad I could provide it. And last, last national primetime game for the Giants this year, so you guys will uh, have to deal with the national <laughs> after Monday night. Hey, it might be a good game. Uh, it's not like the, the first part of the year where it was every other week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game Monday. Thanks, Dan. All right, take care. Dan Duggan, The Athletic. I appreciate that. Um, again, I, I don't know that we always need a scouting report on the Vikings, the, the, the Bears, the Lions. We watch them, right? They're in our local Fox window, our local CBS window, and the Packers aren't playing, but the Giants... Might as well be playing on the moon for the last couple of weeks. We see the memes about Tommy DeVito, and that's basically it. Like, I saw 
Lebitard show last night was posting clips of him ranking like Italian foods. Like it's it's more of a it's more of a content thing with Tommy DeVito. But watch, he'll light up, you know, Joe Barry and the Packers for three hundred yards and be eating our words next Tuesday. Let's take a three minute break. We'll come back, wrap up hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show next. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, 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 I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Oh, oh. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 1231.20. Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back. Just wrapping up hour number three. No Mike Clemens in hour number four. And if you're like, Grant, he always does Friday for the last 45 minutes of the show. How else am I supposed to start my weekend if I don't hear from Mike Clemens? And I would say, I hear you. I totally understand. In fact, I would feel the same way. However, Mike is going to come on my show tonight from four to six. Not because I selfishly wanted him from four to six, uh, but because it works better for the scheduling and, and how things are working in Green Bay today. So everything has been pushed back a day. So the Packers, I believe, and if I'm wrong, Mike will correct me tonight, but the Packers normally have walkthroughs on Friday. They have more of a legitimate practice period today. In fact, I know they do because I'm seeing pictures of it on, on Twitter. So Packers practice is going on right now. Then they'll open up the locker room. Then they'll do this. Then they'll do all of their normal proceedings that typically wouldn't take place on a Friday. It would take place on a Thursday. So this allows Mike to go to practice, to see all of the things, to see physically who's doing what and who's not doing what, go into the locker room, talk to players, talk to everybody, do all of the things, and then bring us all of that information later on in the day. Because if Mike joined us right now in the final hour of Bill's show, he wouldn't have the extra data of being able to see practice, to go into the locker room. He would have missed out on all those things. And I love talking to Mike just to talk to Mike, but I want him to have the most up-to-date information possible. So he's going to join my show tonight at 530. It's on some of these same affiliates. If you're listening in Eau Claire, Madison, La Crosse, Marionette. But if you are listening, for example, on 920 in Milwaukee, or maybe you're listening up in Rice Lake, uh, up on WAQE, you can stream my show. You can catch Mike's hit. You just got to listen to it, the Zone Madison app, uh, right? A lot of the same ways you would stream Bill's show. You can stream my show. So you can get your fix of Mike Clemens tonight at 530. And it will be better because Mike will have uh, more information. He'll have the latest up-to-date information uh, tonight. Now, a couple of injury updates. I saw Elton Jenkins, after being limited yesterday, did not practice today with a shoulder. You know, the Packers offensive line right now 
is surviving or, or thriving, depending on how you want to look at it, because they don't have a weak link, right? If John Runyon Jr. is not committing penalties and holding every other play, he doesn't need to be amazing. He just needs to cut out some of the, the misfires, and he's done that, right? Zach Tom has played some really nice football and actually held up really well against some of the better edge rushers in football, like TJ Watt, for example. So he's been great. Uh, the left tackle position, Rashid Walker, Yash Nijman, they've been fine. They haven't been a, a, a leaky pipe, so to speak, like maybe they were earlier on in the year. Elton Jenkins is very, very good, and Josh Myers is legitimately playing good football. We've been told by many, and we've been told by those in the Packers organization for years that he's playing good football. That has not been true. Right now it is. He's actually been pretty darn good the last couple of weeks. So this offensive line, while they don't have an elite player like David Bakhtiari or Brian Bulaga in his prime or Corey Lindsley in his prime, they don't have a weak link right now. And you can get by. You can thrive. You can win a lot of games and protect your quarterback very well by simply not having a weak link. Now you go against a defensive line that has some dudes. Maybe you need to have dudes, right? And I, I missed, and maybe Dan said this, and, it, and I missed it. I didn't want to ask a follow-up because I was afraid that I missed it in his answer. I don't know if Dexter Lawrence is going to play their nose tackle. That would change the equation a little bit. There are some dogs along this defensive line. Kayvon Thibodeau is playing really well. So the equation of just get by might change a little bit against a unit that has a lot of good defensive linemen. Where maybe the Chiefs, you know, they caught the Chiefs on a weird night. Chris Jones, maybe Chris Jones didn't play very well. You know, maybe Carl Loftus just couldn't make anything happen. I, I just think that they might need a little bit more from their offensive line this week. I think they'll, I think they'll be up to the task. But New York has some guys that can rush the passers. So sometimes it's it's perfectly okay. The offensive line will be fine if you just don't have a weak link. Some weeks you might need to play actually um, like excelling football. It's not enough to just not be bad. You might actually have to be pretty good. The O-line might have to be pretty good on Monday night. Elton Jenkins is not practicing today certainly impacts that formula. We'll hear a little bit more from Matt LaFleur. Comments that he had yesterday, including comments about the Giants' pass rush, Kayvon Thibodeau included. I want to take more of your calls as well. 608-321-1670. Final hour. The Bill Michael Show. As Bill would say, it's coming up, and it's coming up next.